everyone. Welcome to The Travel Coach, Moving Body, Mind and Spirit. My guest today is a four-time expat, former digital nomad, and destination expert who hosts and produces her own podcast, Adventure Calls. She's also an expat consultant and author of How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do. In her free time, she can be found running after her two-year-old son and six-year-old Hawk with her wife in New Jersey. Jessica Dracker, welcome to The Travel Coach. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, Jessica. It's uh, absolutely a pleasure to have you here today. So my first question for you is about your relationship with travel growing up. What are your memories from that phase of your life? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Um, I always wonder where I came from uh, in life because we didn't travel that much. I mean, I think it wasn't as much a part of the culture, first of all, but we just didn't go on a ton of trips. However, um, when I was about eight, we went to go visit my great aunt in um, California and her partner at the time, his name was Jim. And I remember he made us plantains. And that was the first time I'd ever seen someone open a banana and fry it. In my mind, it was a banana. And it blew my mind. The smell, the smell of the air, how different it was. He was so different. He was like this leathery cowboy from like, you know, he's so old that even back then. And it just opened my 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 world. You know, it was just like this whole other thing was a plane ride away. And so that was really the first trip I ever took. And then, you know, I took a few trips otherwise, but my life of travel really started, you know, after I was about 16, 17 years old. Well, because, you know, reading your uh, bio, the first thing that catches my attention is the four times expat and digital nomad. So it, yes. it's like uh, your travel is in your DNA. It, you know, it, it is. So, you know, it's funny, but another little thing is like my dad, he collected stamps. He was a stamp collector back when we mailed letters, I suppose. And he had this whole stamp collection. And, you know, he would talk about these stamps from these different countries. And, you know, maybe that was when I was little, even, you know, he did that from when I was born and maybe even just knowing about those places from the perspective of a stamp collector, that might've really informed a lot of me without me even realizing it. But I, I often think about his stamp collection and, and, you know, countries like Papua New Guinea, I, I knew that was a country before probably other kids did just because I knew that my dad had a stamp from there. So maybe it did seep in that way when I was younger. Start putting the seeds there in the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So today we are talking here, uh, focusing in this trip that you did around the world that brought you to India. So how this idea came from? Was your first trip uh, abroad? Uh, how it happened? Uh, no, 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 no. So, so the four-time expat, I, you know, I, I lived abroad for 10 years, essentially in a row. There were a few like trips back home for longer periods, but like 10 years in a row in four countries. And then I was living in London um, with my partner at the time. And I was finally a freelancer because my visa status changed to where I could do any job and still stay versus I having to be like an English teacher or a student or something like that. And so um, I was writing for the first time, which I always wanted to do, but I was always stuck with a t English teaching visa basically. And I never really got paid to write. So, but I'm sitting there in London and like thinking about how high my rent is and thinking like, man, I could be back in Guatemala where I used to live paying much cheaper rent. Um, 
And then it was like, well, I could, I could have a travel blog. I could write, you know, we could travel and write and not pay this rent. And so eventually it turned into, well, let's just try a travel blog. Now this was in 2010. So travel blogs were just at the beginning um, and there was no Instagram. Um, so I had already lived abroad 10 years and uh, we, I started traveling uh, as a nomad, I suppose, in 2010. India happened in 2012. So I was deep in my, like I was two years into four years as being a nomad by the time I got to India. So I was like, I would say like a very well-seasoned traveler at that point. It took a lot to shock me, but India did do that. <laughs> <laughs> so then the idea of this trip, because you were visiting different countries, right? So yeah. all this came um, and you were packing as well. So how all this uh, preparation of the trip Yeah, uh, the preparation. I mean, you know, especially at that age. I mean, I guess I was like 30 then, but I didn't really prepare that much, you know, just got the gear mm -hmm. and, and went. Um, but I think what helped me get around the world at that time was that I was also house sitting a lot. So I, I used sites like Trusted House Sitters or Mind My House. Um, or housecares.com, maybe, uh, I can't remember. But um, I used those sites and then I would do these longer term house sits. And so I would spend two months in a place and take care of someone's house and maybe their dog in exchange for free rent in a, in a very nice house. Um, and that was a way where we could blog and plan and, and, and create content. And then, you know, and then I would do like, you know, a week or two sprint of like, you know, a day or two days in a, in a, in a couple of locations and then fly, you know, all the way across the world and then stay somewhere else. So, but, but having those longer stays helped me to plan a little bit better. And when I was in Thailand doing a house sit, I got my visa for India at the Indian embassy in Thailand. So that's, you know, and, and that came because I was living in Thailand for, for living in Thailand for like three months, I think at that time. So your motivation was going to India uh, or why you had India in mind? Oh, wow. I mean, at the time I was just so annoying when I look back at myself now, but it was like a badge of honor, you know, like, how am I going to be a digital nomad and like not do India? Because when you're, when you're backpacking, like when you're really in that like world, um, there's like a lot of ego and I tried not to get involved in that ego because it didn't matter to me in that way that it did, especially for people who were younger, but you know, people would go to India and you knew they were there because they'd come to your country where you were nomading and they'd have certain clothes on, or they would just look a certain way. And they had been in India. And, you know, I felt like India was, was really far away from anything I'd ever known and like really challenging. And it's like a badge of honor to like, you know, travel India. And so because I was in, so I, I got my, my visa in Thailand and then did like, you know, Cambodia, Laos, Singapore, Malaysia. And I, and, you know, did that as like a backpacker circuit for a few months. And then I flew from Malaysia to India and, you know, really it was just kind of like, so that I could say, you know, tick, like I went to India. It, yeah. it, it okay. certainly was not like, you know, like we've talked about, I'm going to go to an ashram and, you know, meditate or that had nothing to do with it. I was much too sarcastic to do anything like that at the time. I just wanted to go. Clear, clear. So you arrived there, you were with uh, your partner, with a companion as well. Yeah. Two of yes. You? Yes. No. And we also, that India was immediately upon arrival, we met Um, uh, my friend who was another uh, travel blogger and his friend who was another travel blogger. And the four of us really like did India together um, for, for the six weeks that I was there. Okay. So the plan was two, uh, six weeks, four of you to do India. 
Not all of India. That's crazy because you need a long time. But just the southern, the southern part of the India. south part. Okay. Right. Exactly. Okay. And something happened around the third week that you start feeling unwell. Yeah, I actually hurt myself in Thailand and then just like didn't deal with it. It was so silly. I like was moving a, a table and I hurt my knee. It was dumb, but then it just like okay. got worse because you know, the backpack's really heavy. That's like 50 pounds and you're walking miles and miles every day. And it just built up into like an actual uh, injury. Um, and then in, in India, at, at some point I was actually miserable. I thought that I tore my ACL and everyone else went off to have like this like spiritual experience at a Mecca, you know? Um, like I've talked about before and, and I was like, I can't go, like, I can't deal with it. I have to go to the doctor. And so when they all went, um, to Hampi, which is a, a UNESCO world heritage site and a, a, a spiritual Mecca for, uh, the Hindu people, um, I stayed back in Goa and went to the doctor and stuff like that. And I was feeling very like, why me? Poor me. Oh, poor me in India, all injured. Um, and definitely very, very mopey and pouty for sure. So you felt uh, that you could not follow your colleagues' rhythm? Yeah. No. I couldn't keep yeah. up. I was, I was definitely injured, for sure. Like, I needed medical attention. Okay. But then um, they decided to go to night out in a restaurant. So then they came back. And, of course, I needed to hear about the experience. And I was, like, feeling really sorry for myself at that point. I was definitely not an evolved uh, grown-up yet. And I was really, it was really all about me in my head. And I was like trying to listen to them. And um, we went to a, like a beachfront restaurant for, for drinks. And I had not left really, except to go to the doctor for a whole week, uh, my, my hotel room. And then, so what happened is we go to this beachfront restaurant for drinks. And then we were coming back up to a pizza place. We, a pizza place in India. It was fine. It was a good place. And it was one of those beach roads where, you know, it's just like one, one thin road, it's not even a road, you know, it's like one small street that leads to the beach and on, on both sides, it's just filled with those tourists, tour agency, trinket shop, restaurant that only foreigners go to, you know, the whole thing is lying that way all the way up the street and hostels and, you know, all that stuff. And, um, and so we, you know, I was really limping and I was probably actually limping worse than it actually was. Like I was feeling really bad for myself and I wanted some attention, I think. Um, and, and I was, do you want me to like go into the full story of what happened? Well, the, the thing, first thing is um, you're feeling that sorry for yourself and you're feeling yeah. actually pain. Yeah. What yeah. led you to decide, you know what, I'm going to join you instead of staying at home and relax or rest? Well, you know. That's a great question. Um, I had this thing where like, I always had to prove um, that I could hang, that I, that I was adventurous, even though maybe I'd prefer to be reading a book or, you know, that I was, that I could hang no matter what. And so I think that was part of it. I was also really lonely. I mean, a week alone in a hostel in India is not exactly mm -hmm. ideal. And so of course I was also feeling lonely. Um, not so much about being left behind, but just to like prove that I was tough. I mean, even even the reason why I went to India in the first place, it, it, again, it was not like, I didn't know anything about Indian culture. I just knew that I had to go there to be tough, to be a backpacker, to be a real traveler, like whatever those things meant. I think that's what I was like trying to prove at the time. Um, and so, you know, just on a small scale, that's what going to dinner was about. Just like, I can hang, let's do this. But at the same time, I was definitely overacting. I mean, I was in pain. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a liar. But like, I was certainly hoping for a little bit more sympathy than I was getting at the time. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So you went there to the restaurant, you had your nice dinner. No, I didn't even make it. 
Oh, it wasn't the way in. Oh yeah, I didn't even. Okay, make it. okay, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I didn't so, even make it. You were going to the restaurant then. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And what's the the first thing you remembered? <laughs> well, happened? I mean, so, yeah. So basically, I'm like moping up this like busy, busy tourist street, and again, it's not a big street, but there's just so much going on, and um, I'm walking up the street. Uh, limping and all that. And so I don't really know. So I'm very self-involved at this point. Like I'm kind of looking a little bit down, feeling pretty bad for myself. I'm not like, you know, certainly not looking up and, and enjoying my surroundings. And all I see is a person in front of me turn around and just go, oh, and I don't remember anything after that. And all I know is all of a sudden I'm up in the air and then I crack down onto the pavement. I don't know what's going on. I roll over to my side and I see a cow. And I think, oh shit, like this cow is going to trample me. And, you know, it just happened in the moment. It's going to trample me. And instead, the thing just saunters off. And I just remember just seeing its tail, you know, just sauntering by like nothing happened. But it had come from behind, lifted me up behind in my hamstring, lifted me up. I'm going to say two or three feet in the air, high enough. And then I fell down and like crashed onto my, to my hip, to my pelvis or whatever, like, you know, right on the side. Um, and uh, I just remember that tale because it was so casual, like it was nothing for that cow. And the reason why it did that was because I didn't know, I found out later, that there, he was like sparring with another cow. And so okay. he wanted to get away from, from that uh, thing. And in India, of course, you know, there's cows everywhere. They're on the street everywhere. And so he was sparring with another cow and you had motorcycles, tuk-tuks, um, taxis, lots of people, and then you had me off to the side walking really slow, and I think I was just the easiest thing for that cow to move, and he moved me and kept walking, but me, I start, I just started screaming, like, making this noise, and I remember this noise I made, but it was basically just like, ah, 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 it's like really weird yelping, repetitive noise for like two full minutes, and I think everyone was probably looking at me for sure, um, and yeah, I mean, at the time, I thought I like cracked my pelvis. I had no idea what was going on. But I also think just like the shock of like, like, and also if I wasn't feeling sorry for myself before, now I was really feeling sorry for myself because now I just got, you know, rammed by a cow. You got a good so reason good. now yeah. to feel yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. justified now, right? Yeah. Exactly. So the pain was so big that you thought you, you broke your pelvis, you said, yeah? Yeah, I really did. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we, we can go through my, my experience of, of the hospital and everything in a minute. But, um, you know, looking back, I, I didn't get a diagnosis that I had shattered my pelvis because honestly, that's what it felt like. But even now, I mean, that was in 2012. And even now I, I have like a pain that sometimes comes up that I call my cow. Um, and it just it just happens. I can't get rid of it. It gets really tight. You know, I think I definitely I definitely did some damage. But at the time, I li- I literally thought that I shattered my pelvis. And it hurt so bad um, that I didn't even know this until three days later. I didn't even realize that my legs were completely swollen together. I just didn't even know because I was so injured that I wasn't. I, so I was never really sitting or standing. I was always just kind of laying. And I realized like three days later that my legs had swollen together from where the cow's uh, horns had hit me in the back. And I didn't even know that that was like that. So yeah, it's it absolutely crazy. crazy story. Mm-hmm. Oh my absolutely God. Absolutely crazy. So what happened? Did you stand up? Did your friends help you? What happened from there? Yeah. Okay. So basically what, what happens now is that this lady who was just minding her tourist shop and didn't expect this like insane tor- uh, foreigner to just be yelling in her face, basically. Um, she offered me her chair and then she offered me this other like 
folding chair in the back of her store while they called for an ambulance. But, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, but like American healthcare is so messed up that when they offered to get me an ambulance, I said no, because I didn't want to pay for it because my instinct is that this is going to cost me a thousand dollars and I don't want to pay for that and I'll be fine. Um, and then people were just like, no, it's free. Like you can just get an ambulance here. Um, but I said no, and I was really adamant. So they tried to get me a taxi, but I couldn't bend. I, I just couldn't bend to get into the cab. I just couldn't do it. I got to the car and I tried, but I was in so much pain, I couldn't bend. So then they get me um, like a larger vehicle and, I, and I'm able to kind of like slide in and sit down. Um, and this, this guy who was not planning on dealing again with a crazy foreigner uh, person, I, I'm, in, I'm in the back of his car now, and he takes me to a hospital that he knows that's the closest one. But this, there's no, we're not using Google Maps. Like he just takes me to the closest hospital, right? And now it's dark. So I never eat dinner. Now the sun has set. It's definitely dark outside. And I remember we pull up to this, they say it's a hospital. But so Goa was formerly a, a Portuguese colony. So a lot of the architecture in Goa like harks back to a European style or to a Portuguese style. And I remember there's this like colonial looking building. It's completely dark and we pull up and I just hear the engine running and I'm like, what is happening? And slowly like all the lights kind of turn on in this dark, dark building and two nuns come out the front door and he says something to them, which I don't understand. Um, and basically their, their answer is, the, the hospital is closed, the doctor's not here. And I'm like, what kind of a hospital closes? Like, like are there are there patients in there? Like, it, but it was completely dark. So obviously it's not, I don't think it was- Like another back, movie, like, this is- I, Yeah, it was a horror movie. It was the beginning of <laughs> Get Out, Get Out India edition or something. It was horrible. Um, and so now I'm in this car and this poor man has to like find me another hospital. So then we go to a really, really local hospital. Um, I have no idea where, like if I had to look up on Google maps now and point it out, I don't know, but it was, close, close enough. Um, and we pull up to this local hospital and he's basically like, get out, you're here. Like we're done. We give money. Like that's the end of that. He's not, he's not carting me around anymore. Um, and like, so ridiculously I'm down, I'm down here and the driveway, the entrance to the hospital is up this big hill. Why? And so I have to walk myself up this hill. And at the top, there's someone waiting with a, with a wheelchair, but now I have to walk up a hill. It's just ridiculous. I just remember just feeling just like, ah. And so- I Like a in, joke, yeah? Like, it's like, why is this happening? So I get in the wheelchair um, that they have for me and they, they wheel me through this, you know, when I say it's a local hospital, I mean, it's the kind of hospital, if you've been to these sort of hospitals where everyone's injuries are very present, you know? Mm. I can see people bleeding. I can see injuries. I can see things sticking out. I mean, it was one of those situations where you're like, tend to all these people, like, please go help them. And they're all looking at me again, because I don't think there's a lot of foreigners at this particular mm. hospital. And I, I wait for the doctor. Um, and I, and I, I've told this part before, but it was the most impactful part. I, I, I'm leaning on what I, what is the bench that you're supposed to sit on, but I can't sit. And so I'm just kind of like leaning on it and I want to turn around to move because I'm so uncomfortable and I, I really am in so much pain. And I look and there's a bucket hanging off the side of this, like a pail, you know, like a bucket with like a wire thing. And inside the bucket is like pink bloody water, which I realize has bandages in it. And it's just hanging off this bench so that if I move, because I want to fidget, I want to move, I want to stretch, I, I need to, some, you know, I'm tensing up. 
as I, as my body kind of cools down, I'm like getting so tense, but I can't move at all. Cause now if I do and I move, I'm going to like dump over a bucket of bloody bandage water. <laughs> and then the doctor comes in and I know he was trying to be really nice, but you know, in India, they, they, bo- they bobble their heads and, and when they do so, it means different things. And the whole time I was in India, this fascinated me because I don't know what each, what each thing means, but they'll say like, you know, can I have another whatever? And they'll, and they'll do something. And I think that means yes, but I'm not sure, you know, cause there's so many different head bobbles. It was a fascinating cultural discovery for me, but I'm in this, you know, hospital and the doctor's wearing a mask, which back then was rare. Um, and so I can't see his lips. I can't lip read. I don't know what he's saying. And I'm talking to him, but he's just bobbling his head. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the bobbles mean. And I can't read his lips. And there's a bloody bucket. And then all of a sudden, this is like the worst part. It's where I, I basically like black out from here. All of a sudden, he must have been telling me this. I assume he's telling me he's going to do this. They shove like a catheter into my vein on my hand. But I, they didn't warn me. I, maybe they cleaned it, but I don't think I knew. And they just shove it in my vein in order to open like for IV, right? To have an IV access point. But I didn't know they were going to do that. So basically it's like a stranger walking up and shoving a needle into your hand. I'm dead. God, and at this point, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm just like, kill me. I'm like, do whatever. I'm your and you were alone or your friends would be? No, I, no, I was with my partner at the time. Um, okay. But, th- but th- that's no help. You know, yeah, I know, I know. We don't know what the hell is going on. There's no help. It's just like what? It's basically a confirmation of like, what the hell is happening? Um, and it was it was awful. And from that point, I'm really not certain exactly what happened. I just know that they didn't have an X-ray machine, and so they needed to send me to a hospital with an X-ray machine. So after all that shit that they put me through, they they then load me into an actual ambulance to take me to. Uh, and actually a beautiful, very nice, wonderful hospital, um, a good like 25 kilometers away. But the ambulance, now I'm in the back of this ambulance, like just the saga continues. And this ambulance, there's like dust on everything. And you know the defibrillator where you, you know, like clear and to save people's lives. There's just like a jacket hanging on it and dust all over it. And I'm like, it's a good thing I'm not having a heart attack right now it's a good thing that i don't need this these this equipment in here because it was just covered in dust like it's never been used in a million years and i was just like oh my god but when we pulled up to that hospital after about you know 25 kilometers felt like felt like my whole life basically that was a a really nice hospital and i realized very quickly that that's where foreigners go to get surgery from around the world because it was very affordable and very clean and very nice and then everything after that felt really good and i felt very taken care of um and you know and then i and then i went you know after after i do have to say that after three hours there and i had six people taking care of me and they had an x-ray machine that they slid under my body. I didn't have to get up. Like they just slid it under my body on the bed. The whole thing only cost me $9. Wow. And so after all that fear of like how much money and, you know, all that stuff, um, it was crazy when, you know, you got the bill and it's just like, what? Like, are you missing zeros? You know, and it was, it was, it was ridiculous. The, the cab or like yeah. the official transport back to my hospital was four times that amount of money, you know, but like the, the hospital crazy. was nine, $9. So. Yeah, was so what was the diagnostic insane. eventually? What was the diagnosis? None, you honestly, honestly, none. And that's the problem. So they, they didn't, I didn't crack my pelvis. I mean, that was okay. what they found. But they said, you know, maybe it's a muscle tear. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Come back 
um, another day, like come back tomorrow. And I'm like, no way. I laid in bed, <laughs> I took the anti-inflammatory medicine, but I was like dead. I mean, I could, the, the, just the trauma of the experience, even without the injury was so much and so intense that I was not going back. So I don't actually know, honestly, um, I, it healed over, over time. Um, but I don't actually know what happened. I just know that I still have my cow. In fact, when I talk to you right now, I can actually feel my cow. It's like talking to me. Did, did you explain <laughs> that it was actually a cow? And did they tell you if this is something that happens? Oh, oh I should have told you that part. Yeah, the funniest part of the story, which I almost missed, thank you, is that when I got the bill, I could see, you know, they, they say, they state the injury on there. And it said, rammed by a buffalo, allegedly. And um, it said, allegedly. In, from the hospital and you know I realized obviously that cows are sacred and so they couldn't say that the cow um is what rammed me so they actually say in a, on the official document um that it was a buffalo now, it was not a buffalo I, mean, I think I'd be dead I mean a buffalo did not ram me and there was no buffalo on the street in you know in Palalem Goa it was definitely a cow um that rammed me but they did say that it was a buffalo that's very funny so you were still in shock, I suppose, after all this uh, happened, one, uh, you know, event after the other. So yeah. I suppose how long, when you realized what happened, what, what was the reaction? I mean, you know, I was scheduled to go to Arizona for another house sit after that. And I was flying across the, across the world one more time, um, as, as usual at that time in my life. Um, and the rest of the time in India, honestly, I just healed. Like I said, I discovered, you know, three days in that I had this like thigh injury that I didn't even know about. Um, and when I got to, um, Arizona, terrible, you know, 27 hour plane ride of misery, you know, all those things. When I finally got to Arizona, um, I, I knew that I needed to heal and, you know, I didn't have health insurance. And in America, if you don't have health insurance, you better not go to the doctor. Um, and so someone suggested that I get acupuncture. Um, and so for the first time in my life, I never would have gotten acupuncture before. Like I said, I was very sarcastic. Like I didn't believe in anything, like even spiritual. Spiritual journey was a word that used to like annoy me. Now, of course I live on one, um, but it used to annoy me. Um, and so, you know, I didn't believe in, and of course I was like acupuncture, whatever, that's not real, but I was at least a little bit more open to the idea of getting acupuncture. And so, and also I could afford it. It was like a hundred dollars. And so I could afford that. And so I went and got acupuncture and that was like a mind blowing experience for me because getting there, of course, I, I could barely get in the car and I was still really injured and I go in and, and, you know, they, you know, they're going to do acupuncture on me and I don't really believe in it. Um, and I'm still in a lot of pain. And then, yeah, I don't really remember the rest of the visit. I remember the acupuncture being like, Oh, this is weird. This is what this is like. And that, th then the moment that blew my mind was, so I'm in the car on the way home and I get I pull into the garage of the house that I'm house sitting and I walk in the garage door to the kitchen and I throw my keys on the island of the kitchen. And it, I realized I just popped out of the car. I could barely mm -hmm. get into the car on the way there. And I just popped out of the car and it didn't occur to me for like a good two minutes, three minutes. I was, I was better. I was feeling a lot better. I wasn't healed, but like I mean, night and day. And those little things, they break down walls, you know, and it, it broke down the wall in me that was like, acupuncture is not real. Spirituality is a joke. You know, all these things that all these bricks in the wall started breaking down. And, and that's, you know, what, what we were talking about being a spiritual journey, this, this whole thing in India, I didn't go to India to go uh, to an ashram I didn't go to do a yoga retreat. You know, I, I rolled my eyes at all that stuff before, but getting rammed in the behind by a cow, you know, was the kick in the ass that I needed because the acupuncture completely opened my mind to something, you know, something I didn't believe in before. 
Um, and then, you know, that just opened my mind, just brick after brick kind of fell out of the wall to where I really, you know, I, I just, I realized so much about my life through a long series of realizations for over, over like the next two years, I would say. Um, but it all really came back from the cow, healing from the cow, um, needing to change my life. And um, that was a crazy, crazy That's time. Right. So they say we only can uh, connect the dots looking backwards. So I suppose mm. from that point is when you realize at the moment when you were there in India, you were not thinking, why this is happening right to me? And now oh, you yeah. can see how all this was for a reason that actually led you where you are now. Oh, 100%. Without the cow, I wouldn't have gotten acupuncture. I wouldn't have started to believe in like non-Western medicine is what I had in my head. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't work out to like get myself back in shape. I was too delicate. Like, honestly, I was like detached. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it hurt. But yoga really helped. So now I'm doing yoga. Me, I don't do yoga. You know, that's what I thought. So now I'm doing yoga to heal myself. And then we go to Mexico for another house sit and I'm doing rooftop sunrise yoga. And that's making me feel all kinds of happy inside that I had never felt before and like spiritual for the first time. And, you know, and yes, looking back, I can see like very clearly the chain of events all from, all from the cow. I love your story of, uh, it's a story <laughs> of transformation from percent, Yeah. The old Jessica and the new Jessica, right? So 100%. when this happened in this trip to India, I really love it. And I really thank you to share it because, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel remembering that. Um, if you still feel the pain there or it's like, you know, you, you laugh at, at it or after all these I, years. I definitely laugh. And we've always laughed at the allegedly part. The fact that it was allegedly a buffalo. That was funny <laughs> even then. Um, uh, I'm proud of myself, actually, because, you know, without travel, I would never have done that work. Nobody in my family is spiritual. Nobody has a spiritual practice. It's a very defined set of what the world is and, and nothing outside of it. And if, if I hadn't just taken the initiative to go travel, a lot of bad stuff happened to me while I traveled. I'm a walking worst case scenario. That's what I say on my show. Um, lots of bad things happened to me, but without them, I wouldn't have figured all this stuff out. But I also had to be open enough to, to figure this stuff out. So I think, you know, I, I'm actually proud of myself because I don't know who I'd be without having done those things. Totally. In your trips, you always meet and find what you need. Yes. You need the people that you need. You find the challenges that you need to overcome in life as well. Totally. That's right. 100%. Totally. I love it, Jessica. And I just check in the time and yeah, time flies when you have fun. <laughs> I know. It's time to wrap up. But I want to, as you know, I love collecting hidden gems all around the world. So before finishing, I would love you can share some place from your city or region that you think that if people go there is a must to see? What yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can imagine that I've lived a lot of places and I pride myself in being like really international and uh, whatever that means, you know, whatever that label is. And over the summer, last summer during the pandemic, I, I moved to New Jersey. Like I'm a, a suburbanite in New Jersey now. And, you know, that is really wonderful, actually, for our family. Like it was the right thing to do. But there's, of course, a part of me that's just like, you know, that doesn't match up with this other person who I also am. Um, and so I have a hard time with that. But then, you know, New Jersey is actually wonderful. And we've been spending time exploring this this the state where there, there's actually so much to do and I'm actually kind of getting to be really proud of living in New Jersey and this last week on vacation we went to a town at the very tip of what's called the Jersey Shore um, to a town called Cape May and it's wonderful it's sweet it's all these like Victorian homes it's um, it's a very nice beach 
Um, it feels very like East Coast um, and and clean and not not like the Jersey Shore TV show at all, which I think I was expecting. Um, and it really solidified a place in my heart, like what, this is a close to me, legitimate beach getaway that I actually really enjoy. And it's good for everyone, the family. It would be good if you were, you know, a runner, a walker, because there's this whole beachfront to run on. And I just, I loved it. And I would definitely recommend if you do come to this area, you know, take time to go down to Cape May. It's, it's really cool. And you can take a, you can take a ferry over to Delaware from there if you want to. We saw dolphins every day in the bay. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. We definitely take notes of that for yeah. the next time we go there. So last but not least, Jessica, if anybody wants to contact you, what is the best way to do so? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way, especially right now, is to contact me on Instagram. We're on Instagram. It's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, so I'm at Jessica V. Drucker on Instagram. You can definitely DM me. I, I love answering DMs. So that's a great way to connect for the first time. Amazing. And also, wait a minute, wait a minute. And also, please go listen to my show. Um, Adventure <laughs> Calls is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Adventure Calls. Um, and if you like it, I would also really appreciate ratings and reviews. They help me a lot. So that's, oh that's actually what I'm asking for today. Thank you. Amazing, Jessica. Thank you very much for your time again. It's been a pleasure to have you on board the Travel Coach today. And for you and everybody tuning in, happy and safe travel. Thank you. Bye, Jessica. Thank you. See you Bye. next time. Bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For new adventures every week, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For more travel coach insights, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Sonia Cruz Oro. Happy travels!